Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Thursday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler. Later on, I shall be joined by Joel Sked as we run through the top 12 centre-backs in the Scottish Premiership right now. But firstly, I am joined by two men who uh, make a massive input into A View from the Terrace, the show that you all love to watch, if we like to think so. Anyway, if you listen to us do podcasts, you certainly want to watch us on the TV and you'll get the chance to see us live next month in Glasgow, May 20th, St. Luke's, 7pm kickoff, the night before the Scottish Cup final. Tickets are still on sale for standing areas only at this point, but there's just a few tickets left to be snapped up, and those two men helping me talk about this and helping, obviously, to put on a terrific show is our presenter, Craig Telfer. Hello, Craig. Hello, Telfer. And our director, Jordan Laird. Hello, Jordan. Hello, Craig. I thought you, I didn't realise you recorded these every time live, those introductions. That was very impressive. <laughs> Thanks. You know what would be even more impressive if he actually offered uh, the pair of us to stay to record the Top 12 Centre Backs uh, podcast. But it's interesting to see Jordan and I aren't trusted for I've that done level. So much of, research. Uh, so much research on centre backs. Wasted. Okay, do, Jordan, who's your top three then? Um, well, Craig was going to go first with his. Yeah, and then I um, just... Stephen Kingsley, Cameron Carter, Vickers and Ryan Porteous. It's exactly the same as my top three. Exactly the same. That's, that's fascinating, lads. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't be on that show because it was recorded earlier on today and I'm just going to stick it on. Nah. It. <laughs> uh, none of us had Stephen Kingsley though because we included him in the fullbacks uh, as opposed to the centre-backs. So we peeked behind the curtain there. Wow, I can't wait to listen back to it. <laughs> 
Right, Telfer. I'll start with you, Telfer. First of all, as the man who's going to be presenting this this live show, how are you feeling? Are you looking forward to it? Oh, of course I'm looking forward to it. I I cannot wait to be doing this, fella. I cannot wait to be doing this. It's something that I've thought that we should be doing. I thought we've, we should have been doing for a while now. I appreciate that we've had sort of two years robbed from us and saying us, this wider society because of the pandemic. But now that the opportunity, things are things are opening back up, it's an opportunity that we have to take and I'm delighted we have taken it. We have done, I think, two, two, two live things with the terrace and with a view from the terrace. The first would have been back in February 2019 at Glasgow Caledonia University Students Association, which was really good fun. A, a wee bit rough around the edges here and there, but on the whole, I think that was a good show. And then a year later, I think that was what, March 2020 at Yotel. That was really, really good fun. And and the, from one year to the next, I think we were slicker. We were more professional. We were a lot more into the groove as to how we play off against one another, our various personalities. And I think that it's the right time to be doing a live show and the fact that we've got Jordan working on it, Andy Mass, the producer from A View for the Terrace, working on it, it's going to be at a place like St. Luke's, which is an absolutely fabulous venue. I uh, There's not one inch of doubt in my mind that it's going to be a massive success, and I really cannot wait to get going next month. Really can't wait. Jordan, how scared are you that we're going to get this show cancelled forever with this live show? <laughs> I mean, it's, it is a fear. It is a worry. Um, obviously... <laughs> That's one of the big things about a view from the terrace that you guys talk for what hours and hours and hours on a on a Wednesday, and then I stay up all night, late into the night on a Wednesday, and take out all the libelous stuff, um, everything that would get us cancelled, everything that would get us uh, taken off air. Then a lawyer checks it, then the BBC check it, then it's on telly, and uh, we'll have none of that <laughs> at St Luke's. So this might be the final farewell. Um, we'll, have none of, we'll have none of that, and we'll be at a place that serves alcohol. Exactly. Yeah, we'll get you all just just a little bit buzzed up, put you on stage, and then see what happens. Um, what, what, I'd like, what I'd like to do before we get started, if we could pay, pay like a a sixty second tribute to my cousin who passed away in a piloting accident. That would be. Uh, I'd really appreciate that. <laughs> In fact, you know what? We're not even going to get as far as the live show. We'll get cancelled because of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this will be us cancelling the live show. Um, but no, no, no seriousness, you know, like it is, there is, I mean, we are still doing it as the BBC, which is a massive thing, you know, it's, it's supported by the BBC, it's studio yeah. something that's producing it, but it is supported by the BBC and obviously we kind of still come under their, their guidance and their regulations and what we can and can't say, but I think uh, we've, we've managed to make a number of series of this show and I don't think we've ever left out anything too much that we want to say. We're not uh, constrained too much. Is uh, so if it's if it's, a, it's if it's the same BBC kind of guideline, does that mean that we have to limit our use of the limit the use of f bombs and and, and c bombs are off limits? Uh, I think there's a slightly different uh, there's slightly different in terms of being live, but I mean again, you guys aren't gratuitous. You're smarter than that. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard me in most podcasts. <laughs> I think no. I think what what will happen is I think it's one thing when you are in a TV studio, you know, like well, I know there are things I'll say things that I know will just never get in just to get a laugh 
of like like the is casting crew. Saying that, saying and, that. And that's, I think that's quite because it sort of like relaxes us and puts into it. However, when you're in a live setting, I think there's a different part of your brain kicks in. And you and it just you you kind of you'll know yourself fellow from having done, done stuff as well. A different part of your brain kicks in, and it's a bit more. Just still relaxed, but it's a bit more serious, and you do know that 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 the consequences of of saying anything rash. But you, you, you know what? You, you, guys, um, you, want... you guys say it's in that you know, like you're saying, obviously stuff that you say on set that you're like that'll never make it in. Has there ever been anything that's because you watch it on a Friday night and you don't know what's been edited really after what you've said for what eight hours with the guys? Is there anything ever been in the show that you're like, I cannot believe, I didn't, I really didn't mean that to end up in the show. I I think the the one that made me proper laugh it would have been the the end of the the run just before uh, December last year when we when we finished up when I took home the, the Eamon Brophy Old World Trophy for Christmas and I referred to uh, Fowler and Joel as the Blowjob Brothers. I was uh, <laughs> I was surprised to see that staying, but it was very very funny. It was very very funny in the in the circumstances. <laughs> Uh, there was one. There was one that came in my mind, and I can't. I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it was. Um, no, I, but I just remember being in the chat afterwards, being like, "I can't believe that stayed in. That was brilliant." But I, fuck, what was it? I love doing that on an edit on a Wednesday night. There's certain things you can see you guys saying it. You're like, he doesn't think that's making it in. I'm going to try and get it in, <laughs> <laughs> just to make him freak out on Friday night. <laughs> I think, though, Fowler, it's more important to, to we're focusing on things that won't be in the show. Let's focus on the good stuff, the thing that's the thing that's going to be in the show, the stuff that we're actually going to be talking about when we hit the stage next month. Yeah, that is uh, that is fair. Uh, Jordan, you'd probably be able to fill us in because all I know at the moment is that we're planning for two hours. Uh, and ah, those, absolutely. As, as far as I'm aware, those two hours are not just going to be the, the, the four or five of us just talking non-stop, are they? is it? Nah, nah, not at all. I think ideally what we want to try and do is try and capture, obviously what we do with the show, you know, like we record on a Wednesday for what, six, seven, eight hours, then we try and then edit that into what I always like to think is just a group of mates sitting around, taking a piss out each other, passionately having a laugh about what something they love. And, you know, we try and re-edit that almost into that conversation on a, on a show on a Friday, whereas I think the live show is a chance to, people to see what it is actually like when we make the show. Like, it's like I, I sit behind that curtain watching you guys pissing myself laughing at what you guys are talking about. And I think if we can get that kind of natural energy with a bit of structure around it, you know, we'll bring mm-hmm. in all the things that everyone... So, yeah, ideally, it is not just, uh, it's not just a Q&A. It's not just, um, here's the guys from the show. It's, it's really like us deconstructing the actual TV show and bringing some of the best segments and the best uh, sections that people love from the show, bringing it on stage and getting audience interaction with that as well. You know, get the see later debater ball out, get the ridiculous opinions out, get them into the crowd, get some uh, audience questions in for you guys. Um, we'll do social media. Uh, we might even get a live club shop. So get some some of the absolute horrendous uh, tap from around the grounds and uh, I don't know maybe we'll get a live auction for some of the uh, those pin badges from uh, Nairn with the pie on a roll on it they, they're sold out Jordan they they, they all sold out there was uh, on when we did them on a view of the terrace the final episode there was 22 left in store you go back in the Nairn County website there's none there that's the power of television man that's the power of television but no in all seriousness like I always thought that one of the best things is sitting behind the curtain 
with you guys recording on a Wednesday. And it, it's hilarious to watch when it's live. And obviously all we do on a Friday is we cut out, as we say, all the liveless bits and make it tighter. But I genuinely think if you love the show, you would love to sit and watch you guys record it live. And if the audience could interact with that as well, then even better. Uh, like I think we should see it's we, we're approaching it as, as a show rather than just putting you guys on stage live, if that makes sense. And I mean, Telford probably kind of answered part of this earlier when he was, you know, we, we basically lost two years. There was, for the best part of two years, we couldn't do it. Even when, when stuff was opening back up earlier this earlier this season, we still had the, the moment around about Christmas where, you know, the, there was no fans in grounds for, for the Boxing Day games and they brought the winter break forward, etc. because there were still restrictions. Now restrictions are all getting lifted, so that's going to be part of the reason. But if you can maybe tell me... Another reason why why now for for the first official of view from the terrace live show. I mean, I think one of the things we've always, I mean, the biggest kind of complaint we get on Twitter um, is why doesn't show the show run throughout the season? You know, and obviously we would all love that, but I think at least one of us would die or have a nervous breakdown because um, it's a it is a machine. And it is a beast of a show to, to produce week in, week out. So I just think we, we couldn't physically do it throughout the full season. I don't think any of us could. You know, we've all we've all got jobs, we all work outside of making this show. So I think for one one well, thing well, to be fair, John, I think if we did it all season long, I think those jobs may disappear quite quickly. <laughs> I don't mean, although although I think the bill for making the show for an entire season would be ridiculous. I think the BBC would yeah. freak out. Uh, yeah. but no, in reality is like we, we can't make the show all the way through the season um so this is is one way of you know keeping the show going to some extent and right at the end of the season let's let's have a big a big celebration it should be a it's a friday night you know like this right before the cup final expectations i think there's a couple of jambos on the show so the expectations will still be high um yeah it feels like a good time to to test the water and see what it'd be like to take this live and who knows where it goes from there you know there's a world cup coming up so and scotland will be in it obviously so who knows? I I think it's interesting. Take it to, to Qatar. Fuck's sake! I couldn't, I couldn't get that out. <laughs> I, but it's an interesting point that, that Jordan makes. I think that that being being in the show for for ten weeks in a row, there's there's I mean there's never been a period where I where I don't feel grateful or lucky or so thankful to be involved in it. However, when you do it ten weeks in a in a row, it can become a bit like, geez, oh, that this is actually quite quite a bit tough. However. Like like there was the, the week the, the week after we went off air, the Friday we went off air, there was so many things happened in Scottish football where you had the the, the semi-finals of Hearts Hibs game, the Rangers Celtic game had been played. There was decisive things happening in the the championship. You had the Kilmarnock um Kilmarnock game. game. Yeah. You've you've had the the, the the playoff places in League One and League Two were, were, were all decided. And these are things that as a, as a show and as fans of Scottish football and as and as broadcasters, these are the things that you still want to cover and still want to talk about and I remember like after that, that weekend the Scottish Cup semis being like fuck I really wish we were still on air <laughs> just filling the script up. anyway just at home <laughs> filling the script they'd love to hear this they'd love and, to hear this and that's not the, even though it's not the case this feels like a great chance it feels like the right time to be to be doing it I mean it's like before the, the biggest game of the season and just to, to be able to wrap up everything that, that's happened over the past 10 months, man, what an opportunity. What an opportunity to do it live as well, hanging out with your mates and having a couple of laggers, man. It sounds like brilliant fun. And I think, like, oh, we've seen already, even online and stuff, like, the 
folk who folk really love the show and enjoy the show want to come along and it's like I'd be cool like to meet folk that really enjoy the show like you guys put in so much time and effort and work into the show that it would be cool to be live and and see the folk who genuinely enjoy this show yeah and I mean when we're done when we've done the live shows before for the podcast I'm not I'm not promising anything for this time but when we've done the live shows for the podcast last time we just like happily mingled with the crowd as well and had a, a few drinks afterwards as well don't know if there'll be the ability to do that at St. Luke's, but I'm sure that we'll, you know, go to some place nearby afterwards and uh, have, uh, have, 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 have rakes of scoops. No, there'll Ooh, be, uh, there'll be uh, right afterwards, we'll definitely get everyone out mingling. Where I think we'll get the Amy Brophy Lone Wolf Trophy set up. Like it's a Scottish Cup, you know when you can buy like a wee shot to get a photo taken with the Amy Brophy Lone Wolf Trophy? We'll get it set up like that. <laughs> <laughs> you can bring your kids along, get a photo. That's the good thing about St. Luke's as well. It's not just like the church. There's the pub on next to it where like just punters can go. You don't you can go to the pub if you're not going to the, the venue itself there. So that's a great place to the camp to afterwards. And you're I mean you're right in the I'm trying the Gallagate. Best thing about the venue I'd say is it's a ten minute walk from my flat. So that's the thing that I'm most looking <laughs> so forward to. Everyone's going back to your flat there. afterwards. <laughs> Let's finally see this sofa. Uh, you've got empty. <laughs> but honestly, we'll see. You play your cards right. You can come back to my flat uh, and stay there for fifteen minutes before leaving. I don't want anyone staying over. <laughs> Jordan, why St. Luke's? Uh, good question. It's not just it was a venue. Um, I it felt like it was an interesting place. It felt like it's got a bit of character. Um, it's a decent size. Um, without booking out the barras, you know what I mean? Like it was like, nah, it seemed like a good size. Um. And obviously, Glasgow's pretty busy that weekend uh, with a lot of things going on. So it was one of the venues that was the, about the right size to go for the first yeah. time. And uh, is it, it's, quite, it's quite a cool venue, eh? Aye, the, the, there was Robert and I went to Tiny Changes there. We went to see Tiny Changes there back in, it was October, November, we went there. And when we were standing in the, there, it's effectively as a converted church. And that's something that we said looking around and saying this would be a great place to do a live terrace show. And it was between St. Luke's and maybe Cottiers in the West End would have, would have been the other one, which is also a, a converted church. It's perhaps a little bit smaller in its size in St. Luke's. But I think that for their overall vibe and I think that what we can do with the place, I think that, that St. Luke's is uh, a really, really a choice of venue. So when it was like, first that, when we said uh, that's where we're doing, I thought, brilliant, because we, we can really do a lot with the place. There. I like the idea that we'll only ever do live shows in converted churches. Yes, that's the that's we're very insistent about that. You want to do Hamden? Hmm, has anyone ever prayed in Hamden? Don't think so. Can't go there. So sorry. Not going to happen. <laughs> I'm sure loads of people have prayed in Hamden before. I'm sure a couple of Queen's Park fans there want their team to scrape fourth place. <laughs> Dear God, if you're listening, <laughs> please, please let David Galt score this. So, what about you guys? What 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 are you looking forward to about it? Like, is there any nerves? Is there any nerves about doing it live? No, I, like, I, I don't know about you, Phil. I've never felt like I, I've, I've never felt nervous about about doing live stuff. I think you're there with a with an audience here who are all rooting for you and who, who want you to do well and who obviously have listened to what you'd imagine will have listened to the podcast and have an idea about that it can be a bit ramshackle uh, in parts. And I suppose you, you've kind of got that. It's a Friday night, folk for a couple of laggers. I'm I'm just really excited. There's no nerves here at all, and I suppose. A lot of that comes, as I mentioned at the start of the show, it's having 
Studio Something's help making the show. I think a lot of the time, I've described the process of review for the Terrace. I've used this in the past. It's like a watch. And I think like myself and Fowler and Joel and Sean and Robert and everyone that are in front of camera, we're like the hands of the watch. So we're like the most visible part of it. But there are just so many cogs. You go pull away the face. There are so many cogs there of people that help make it as good as it can. And you take away one of those cogs and the thing can't work. And that's why I think that having you guys, the support of Jordan and uh, everyone else's studio something, that is for me, it's given them, I think it'd be, if we didn't have that help, it'd be good. Since we do have the, their their support behind it, it's going to be sensational. It's going to be 10 out of 10. Not one inch of out in my mind. I'll be, I'll be a bit nervous just because, just typically I'm doing doing live stuff. It's, it's kind of slightly out with my comfort zone, especially when it's, in front of a crowd as opposed to doing radio I don't really mind doing live radio now I don't really get that nervous at that but in front of Just a crowd is everyone in their underwear fowler <laughs> uh, Joel and I done um, like I can't remember how long it was was it about 20 minutes something like that at the at the McCray's Battalion uh, Trust dinner last year expected to be funny uh, got a few laughs a few that died on its arse and that was that was terrifying especially since Rob was supposed to come with us and had to pull out on the day so we're a member short and um, yeah I ended up sinking about five or six pints in the blood up to that because it, was, it wasn't intentional I thought we were going to be on early so I just kept drinks just kept getting brought and we were only on until about like I think we showed up at like 12 or like 1 and we were only on until like half 4 I so, think like, yeah. like you say Telford like it's, a, it's an audience that They've paid to come and see you guys. Yeah. They they like the show. They what is it? I think was uh, No Gallagher used to say that they they want you to be good. Like the audience want you to be good. Yeah. They want to enjoy themselves as well. Um, I don't think. I mean, everyone will probably make a, a bad joke at one point, but that's that's part of the charm, isn't it? Part of the fun. And then everyone just laugh at Sean's shirt, so we'll be fine. But I'm certainly like I'm more used to it now than I was. Like I was quite nervous before the first live show we did, but the second one we done at the hotel, like. It's really, it's the anticipation of waiting to go on stage. That's the worst part. Once you're up there and once you get kind of get settled in the first couple of minutes, you get your first laugh, then you kind of settle down and like everything, everything's kind of a, a bit, everything goes a bit slower after that and you kind of, you know what you're doing and you feel a bit more confident in yourself. But it's just, I always feel nervous, I think, doing anything live. It's just, it's just the anticipation of going out, especially when there's going to be like 500 people there. <laughs> All in their underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting sort of like we've got to uh, put Fowler in a bathtub of cold water and get him loads of black coffee before he goes on. Uh, one, like, one of those one of those players in the dressing room is just a bit weird before a game. I, so I just think, Craig Fowler has unexpectedly had to pull out. Robert Bothwick's <laughs> taking his place. And there's just Fowler just in a in a shower with all his clothes on, getting hosed down. <laughs> Weeping. <laughs> Well, like, so you should imagine, like, weekend, it's a, like, the equivalent of a weekend at Bernie's, but with Craig Fowler's The Corpse. <laughs> or it's like, it's like, it's like 8 Mile before uh, Eminem goes on stage in 8 Mile, psyching himself <laughs> up in the mirror. <laughs> right, uh, I think we've kind of said all we could about the live show, but let's, let's talk about the show itself. So we've completed our fourth? Fourth, fourth yeah. season, yeah. Fourth season, and I think it's it's fair enough to say that uh, we're going to be back, aren't we, Jordan? Again, uh, yeah, yeah. Like let's let's not, not nothing signed, sealed, and delivered. Nothing yet, signed, but, uh, as long as nothing signed, we always <laughs> always have to throw and, that caveat. Until the ink is on the paper, but yeah, I mean, I think we're 
uh, everybody who uh, can decide whether this can come back or not wants it to come back. So, yeah, uh, you put me on the spot. <laughs> but, yeah, so a view from the Terrace Series 5, there should be one. Uh, um, all things going well. And you guys don't get us cancelled on stage at St Luke's. Yes. Uh, I'm getting sort of vibe there where Alan Partridge was given a five-year contract at the BBC <laughs> and the guy has a heart attack just as he's filling in the contract. <laughs> and what's the... So I take it the pressure each time is because the show has not stayed the same since the, the first series. Like, the, the features we do have all kind of evolved and changed. Most one, like, features not just in terms of the, the VTs, the... the the wee kind of videos that we do, but also in terms of the in-studio stuff, it's not really... I mean, is there, is there anything that we run? We ran Secret Sauce recently, which we ran, I think, in episode two. Um, but that was the first time Secret Sauce had been seen this season, I think. So it's, we certainly we certainly change it up an awful lot. So is there, is there again, a new pressure going into a new campaign to, make, to keep things fresh, but the same in terms of quality and the, the, the familiarity that the audience has with the panel? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you always try and because obviously it's like it, what did you say when you're in that whirlwind of making the show, it feels like you're never going to stop making it. And then also, I think you guys will know when you when you finish it, you're like, it feels like oh, we'll be back in a couple of it's only a couple of weeks. But then you know, like it's sort of three four months between each series, so things move on and you get influenced by other stuff or you see something interesting. You're like oh, that'd be cool if we did that on the show or ah, yeah, I think you. You always want it to be new and exciting. And I think the worst thing would be if folk were like, aye, they just phone it in. Like, I don't think any of us are like, we know this opportunity could get taken away at any point. Yeah. So like, we might as well put our all in it every single week and just That's... at least know that we, we didn't leave anything out on the park, et cetera, et cetera. I... 100% John that's, that's something I wholeheartedly agree with I always think that if, if people 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 watch the show and they compliment it and they say oh that was a great show and I said well that means the next one's got to be even better so like you thought that was great wait till you see what goes out next week so it's always never ever think well folk like it there's there's no need to do the same level of research or the same amount of prep going into the show and, and thinking that you can go in on a Wednesday and sort of like kind of take it easy I don't think anyone does that I don't think anyone does that at all actually but it's just a sort of an inbuilt pressure, an inbuilt competition that is always just trying to make what be better than what people have seen before. That's that's always the that's, it's, that's it's always also, my mantra. It's also as well like keeping you guys interested as well. You like, do you know what? If if it's a similar section from what you did a few weeks ago, you're probably going to be a bit like not bored of it, but used to it. So it's like, well, why don't we have something different? Because if then that gets you guys excited, then you know that that the audience are hopefully going to be excited. I don't know, like, I don't mind if people don't like the show, but I think as long as nobody thinks we don't care, do you know, like, as long as it's mm. clear that we put our heart and soul into making the show, then you can uh, you can sleep on a Friday night at 11.30 after it's finished. Are you truly sleep that well after, after working like, for a day straight to make it? <laughs> you always sleep on a Friday. Although, right, do you ever <laughs> see that... Um, you ever see that documentary about South Park when it was like seven days to make the show and it's like a countdown. They're like, they know they're on air in seven days and it's every bit of the way of making that show. That reminds me of, it's, it's a brilliant documentary. It's like them being like, right, in seven days, this is on air. Like with no matter what happens, 10.30 on Comedy Central, this is going on TV. 
And uh, that reminds me of you from the terrace because you're like, you just constantly got this countdown to be like, hell or high water, this is going on telly. So it's... Uh, what we found that is like, it's like a bit of a, a bit of a carousel. Uh, I would describe it as just like the, the week the week begins on a Friday where Josie will send out the, 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 the Google Doc with all the sections that are coming on. So then you start reading it on the Friday thinking, right, well, I'm going to the game on the Saturday. What do I need to look out for? Then you're going to the game on the Saturday. Then you're watching match. And then Sunday, the match highlights all drop. You're reading the ma- that and watching the match highlights, reading the forums, filling the doc. Production meeting on the Monday, doing your final prep for it on the Tuesday, filming the thing on the, the Wednesday. And certainly for, for myself and Fowler and all that, the only really day you get off is the is the Thursday. So, and that's, and that's, and that's, that's just like you say, that, that's, I mean, that, we've got the pretty much the most straightforward job out the, out everyone else. And that's where it goes. So you guys leave on a Wednesday night. What, like, you leave the studio about 6, 6.15 if you've got a, a meal booked. Um, and then... <laughs> <coughs> and then, yeah, we stay in the studio. <laughs> we stay in the studio till about midnight. And we don't leave that studio till there's a 58-minute cut of the show. And then on a Thursday morning, that gets kind of the lawyer checks it. David Harren, our commissioner, he watches it, feeds back his notes, and then you've got a whole day on Thursday putting all the graphics on, um, getting all the music in, tidying up all of Joel's stumbles, and then late late on a Thursday night, we do the the eyeball, which is like you watch it for one last time. Have you spelled anything wrong? Is there anything is there anything still libelous being left in? And then, yeah, it gets delivered on a Friday, and as you say, the script goes back out on a Friday, and then you start again. Incredible, it's a beast. Uh, yeah, but it's fun. It's so much work goes on uh, behind the scenes. It's just, uh, it's just incredible. Hey guys, is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap this up? Uh, well, I suppose I would say there's only a handful of tickets left. So I'd like to anyone that's sort of swithering as to whether or not they they want to come, please come it'll be your guarantee to get a good night it's, it's going to be so much fun it's going to get a chance to look back over what's been a, a, a really really good season of Scottish football there's so many things that have happened so many good things have happened both in the SPFL and the SWPL for the national side like like all the way from, from top to bottom in Scottish football and it's great to get the chance to do it with people who really like Scottish football who are going to do their best to be funny do their best in front of that sounds so pathetic just come. That's all I'm going to say. Just come. What do you it's reckon, going to be class. Do you reckon there'll be any Falkirk fans there? I think so. I I, I hope so. Hands across the divide. Um, you, you know, uh, and and I mean, Falkirk are playing. Uh, this is this is recording this on the Thursday. Falkirk are playing Queens Park on the Saturday. I was contemplating whether or not going to Farhill for the game, but I was worried in case um, I got my head kicked in by uh, someone from the Jimmy Gilmer shuttle. So I'd like to think that we can we can bury the hatchet. We can bury the I hatchet. Mean, what, obviously, you guys now, you must get spotted a bit more at games and stuff like that. Yeah. Have you had any bother from anyone or any kind of... No, no, no not at all yet. Not at all. Um, no, everybody's just... Online. Still, yeah, only online. Everybody in, in person has still been like really, really sound. And you're right, it is kind of ramping up. I noticed that... Um, I noticed that after the cup final itself because I was reminded of the, the previous cup final because that was the first time when it was the end of our first initial run when we'd done the initial 13 episodes and Hearts played Celtic in the Scottish Cup final the day after our final show. And I hadn't had anybody 
come up to me in that time and say anything. I, but I know everybody everybody else had, and I was kind of feeling a wee bit left out. Uh, and then <laughs> it just all seemed to happen that one day. Like I had loads of people coming up saying, "Oh, I like the show," and, "Oh, Fowler," and shit like that. And then going back for the the semi final against Hibs again, again a kind of similar a similar day out in terms of like make my way to the game and and stuff like that, and what I did afterwards. And it was just it was. It was like that, but it was more. There was just more people coming up to you and saying, uh, and I ended up, um, I was reeking uh, on the train on the way back, talking to these this group, uh, convinced me to go back to Dunbar, which, by the way, I thought was a, a lot closer to Edinburgh than it is. <laughs> it's another fucking half an hour on the train. <laughs> I ended up in Dunbar. I was going around a few few places in Dunbar, and like, there were so many people being like, oh, what are you doing here kind of thing like that and talking to me about it there's one guy who was an Aberdeen fan I was like what are you doing here and I was like you're an Aberdeen fan in Dunbar what the fuck are you doing here <laughs> but it was just great and like everybody was like offering to buy you drinks and just like everybody says like how much they love the show and stuff and it's just makes you feel 10 feet tall Aye, it's a total, it's a, that's the thing I would say it's like I think I think every single person who works in the show genuinely appreciates the opportunity to do it so that's what I think like if you like the show the live show will be that distilled like everybody just a celebration of what we what we like about the show slagging off everything we 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 normally slag off in the show um i I think it'll be like you say it'll be a party and it'll be a proper show um worth every single penny and you'll get to get your photo taken with sean and the lone wolf trophy that alone is enough for me sean mcgoyan Do you know what? I I think we've got we've got a wee bit we've got something planned for the Lone Wolf Trophy, the bank. Oh, do you? Great. Aye. <laughs> the more rock paper well, scissors for Telford to lose. Fucking Dylan Eason, man. Fucking Penenka cunt. <laughs> <laughs> right, guys, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you very much, Telford. Thank you very much, Fowler. Cheers. Thank you very much, Jordan. Ah, cheers for having me, man. Thank you very much. No problem. And as I said to everybody earlier, there are still standing tickets available. They are £29.70. Uh, make sure if you want to find the link, the best way to do so I've found is go to Google, type in a view from the terrace live, and then also put in Ticketmaster as well. Um, and that'll that'll help it, it come up. Yeah, so Yeah, if you go on a view from the terrace. Yeah, you know yeah, what you might as well read out the URL to them. <laughs> If you go on uh, a view from the terrace on Twitter as well, it's in there, and the link in there's got the last few tickets. And uh, we should probably say, make sure we say when it is, right? We've said that. I, I, said, I did say that at the start there. Friday the twentieth <laughs> of May with a seven pm kickoff. Brilliant. It's because that that podcast that Joel and Sean did when when, when they were going to read out, like Joel didn't know the date, didn't know the location, mortifying. Listen, back to you think they could have just stopped and started the podcast again? Ah, uh, we don't do that deal for a tennis podcast. We like to, we like to do it once and all. Exactly. Well, it's that ramshackle nature that makes us so endearing. Yes, Ed- editing to a minimum. Right, guys, thank you for joining me, and to the listeners, I will soon be joined by Joel Sked after these messages. It's time once again to tell you all about Manscaped, the leader in below-the-waist men's grooming. Now we're coming to the business end of the football season when while personally I've only got eyes on the Scottish Premiership and the Scottish Lower Leagues, I know that a lot of you will be keeping an eye on the Champions League. Is it going to be Man City? Is it going to be Liverpool? Is it going to be Real Madrid? Is it going to be Villarreal? 
At this point in time, we don't really know. But what we do know is there is no better option for keeping your family jewels nice, clean and tidy than Manscaped. Make sure you're keeping everything under control so that when you get into that scoring position, you don't blow it harder than PSG in a second leg fixture. <laughs> Am I right? Come get the best ball products your money can buy with the code TENNIS at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on new order. Now, I've spoken a lot about Manscaped in the past. I think it's a great product. I think that most men should be looking after their below the waist, their, their pubic region, I think we should say, because nobody likes it when it's all messy and it's all smelly. Who wants that? That's not a good time for anybody. It's not a good time for you. It's not a good time for your partner. It's not a good time for any hookup you might have. And every time I'm on to talk about it, I always wax lyrical about the Performance Package 4.0 because that's got everything you can want. It's got the lawnmower, it's got the weed whacker, it's got the multiple ball formulations in terms of keeping it all nice and fresh and smelling great. It's got the travel bag and it's got the anti-chafing boxers. What I haven't told you about before is how good the battery length on this thing is. The trimmer lasts for 90 minutes. That's right, the length of a football game. You could be shaving your nether regions for 90 minutes. I hope you should never have to do that because that means you've got to let things get really bad down there. But it's good to have a long-lasting battery so you don't have to constantly recharge the thing. And while April is also the business end of the football season, it's also Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committing to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. So support Manscaped and support yourself by getting 20% off and free shipping with the code Terrace at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Terrace at manscaped.com. Once again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with the code TERRACE. Roll with Manscaped and get the championship package for your package. And now I'm joined by Joel Sked as we continue with our latest top 12 countdowns and it's the centre-backs for the Scottish Premiership. Joel, how did you find this list? Personally, I thought there was eight outstanding candidates and then a huge drop-off. <laughs> to everybody else, basically. A huge drop-off to a bunch of guys who I thought... There was a bunch of players who I thought, yeah, maybe deserve a bit of contention, but uh, they're not they're not that great. They're all kind of much of a much this, and then just a bunch of guys that I didn't consider at all. But how, how did you find this? So, I found it... I found selecting 12 relatively easy, unless I've, like, I've made a real... A real error somewhere, uh, somewhere, uh, but I don't think I have. Um, however, I found it quite hard. Like at the top three centre backs, and then placing the placings is what I found uh, found the most difficult. Uh, I've got a very controversial placing in this that uh, is going to annoy uh, fans of a certain team listening. I um, yeah, I would. I, th- I think. Uh, I think I think Celtic fans are going to skew, uh, um, screw their face up at listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Also, as well, I know you said you said beforehand that you've got six players from Celtic and Rangers. I've only got four. Oh, uh, there's so I'm just saying right off the top. I don't have Philippe Palander on my list purely because he's not played much this season. He's not looked the same since his injury. 
and I don't know whether to judge that. I don't know how. Sorry, I don't know how to judge that. I don't know whether to judge it as a guy just coming back mid-season, you know, interrupted by his flow, needs a bit of time to get up to speed. The team's already kind of set, you know, things of that nature. And he's just kind of toiling a little bit to find his feet after again after the injury. Or I don't know whether he's been impacted by the injury, and this is him, maybe a different player. That's probably less likely because. Yeah, it was a it was a knee problem. He didn't require surgery, but he was only out for I think four or five months. Typically these days, that's not the type of injury that they'll change as a footballer. But I just didn't know. And plus, gun to my head, Philippe Lander would be in my list. He'd be in the top five, maybe even the top three. But I, I just wanted to make it more interesting. I wanted to make it more interesting as well. I I've gone pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. If you if you include them, you have to have them high. Yeah. I just uh, I did I didn't want to uh, include them. I also didn't include. So anybody for Celtic, not one of the regular two starters. I've not got Christopher Julian, who's not played in a year and a half, which I think is fair enough. And I don't have uh, Stephen Welsh either. He sneaked on my list last year, but I don't have him on. Again, got in my head. Would I have Stephen Welsh on this list? Yeah, probably. Uh, I'd, I'd probably have him um, around about ninth or tenth. But I, I just, again, trying to be just a bit more interesting, just to, to mix things up a little bit, because it's not the most egregious thing to not have Stephen Welsh on this list. So I thought, you know, with, with, with a little bit of doubt, I'll go for I'll go for a more socialist approach. Cool. So I, I, I did have Welsh, and when you were replacing for him, he was 10th. But I, yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I'll do the same. I'll, I'll take him out. I'm not a massive fan of him, to be honest. Um, I, I think he's just, I think he's pretty average. His aerial dual success rate is shit. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, properly yeah. shit, forty eight point four eight percent, which is again uh, just to re- uh, just to really hammer home that point is shit for a centre back. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll take him out. And there's there's one player who I think has come onto a, 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 a game as the games as the seasons progress. So I'll, I'll I'll bump up a couple of players and stick him in at number twelve. So yeah, let's do that. Okay, who is your number twelve? Alex Yakaviti. Oh, I don't have him. Uh, I think he has. So last season, I can see, I could see his uh, what he was good at. Um, You've written an article as you're, as you're talking. To you. <laughs> no, sorry, on? I was uh, updating my list. All right, <laughs> I, I was updating my list. Uh, so yeah, Yakaviti. He was a, he was the one that probably was closest to. Uh, he was probably the closest to making my list. Um, because last season, I think he showed showed there was areas of his game that were, were pretty good. He's, he's quite a, a physical centre back. He can be be quite dominant when asked to play a bit of football. I think he's very very limited. Uh, this season, I think he's probably been County's most consistent centre back. I know they've had Baldwin. Baldwin's done well, but I think Yakuvi's yeah, come up with important moments, scored goals as well. He. you need to temper it with Ross County's uh, having the second worst defence I think it's still the second worst defence behind Dundee but it's one that's been improving and it's been improving helped by uh, Yakuviti so he's I think he's just he's a centre back who's a a stopper essentially yeah and and, in fairness then when you're saying you know the the, the, the poor poor defensive record if you're defending Yakuviti for that you would say that Baldwin was 
useless really until kind of around the turn of the year. He's been very good since then. Yeah, I think Yaki has um, been more consistent over Keith the year. Keith Watson, Keith Watson's yeah, Keith Watson's one of the weakest centre halves in the league. So he's so for half the season he didn't have a good partner. They've, they've rotated their goalkeepers because neither of them have really been that great this campaign. Fullbacks as well, they've they've also, yeah, I no no consistent fullback, and they've also not had a defensive midfielder for most. Of, they've kind of sorted that now with Tilson and Callan playing in front of the back four, mm-hmm. and that's given them a bit more solidity. But uh, that that was something that only they came across only a, a month or so ago. So there's plenty of reasons why Yakovity, why to defend Yakovity in terms of County's overall goal record. I, I'd agree with you. I think over the course of the campaign, he's been the best centre half. He has. He leads of, of all the centre halves that well, like so we put forty centre halves in a, a list and looked at their stats compared. Yakovity was number one for defensive duel for percentage of defensive duels won, and that's very impressive. So he very much is a stopper. Uh, the side of his game where he struggles is in terms of moving with the ball, passing the ball. Neither of them are... Well, he's quite poor at both of them. But in terms of pure defending, yeah, he's not bad. He's not on my list, though. He just... Uh, just just on that is... Uh, just, yeah, just on the like the, the defensive duels, that's... Uh, you also have to, again, temper that with... Uh, their... <laughs> Players that play for poorer teams are are, are more likely to be. Um, I was I don't know, ignore that. I was going to say because I was I was thinking you're saying uh, defensive duels, but it's defensive duels. Per se- uh, I forgot that you were saying defensive duels one. So that that does yeah. uh, that that uh, completely ne- negates my point. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's just. He can just be. He can be a solid defense. Uh, uh, solid centre back. Right, in my number. My number twelve. I've got Dundee's Lee Ashcroft. He wore. He made my longer list. Uh, but I just feel with Dundee, uh, no one's getting. Uh, no defenders getting on my list. I just <laughs> that, that. I came into. It, I was like Ashcroft. Uh, I could. You could make. Could make the argument for Ryan Sweeney when uh, speaking to uh, Chilling uh, Silly and Sheridan. Can still still not pronounce his first name. Uh, and Killian. He, Kelly and Sheridan, there we go. Uh, he 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 mentioned he, he talked about Sweeney as being um, someone who's you think's on who's underrated uh, in Scottish football. He's uh, a big guy, but no Ashcroft. Dundee are a better side with Ashcroft, so there there, there is that that when he plays, they, they, they look more of a unit. And I think it'd be an issue is that he's he's been injured for a wee while, hasn't he now? Uh, no, he's back now. Is he back? Uh, yeah, now? It, it was. Uh, let me just double check that. But he was. Uh, he missed a, a few months. It was about three months, I think, through injury. But he has been. And I, I didn't expect this. I've n- never really been a, a fan of Lee Ashcroft. I've always thought he was a bit kind of a, a meh kind of uh, centre half. Yeah, Ashcroft's been. Oh, actually, maybe out. <laughs> he's out again. <laughs> the last game he played was the Rangers game of the Cup, which was a month ago. So yeah, he's had he's had another injury problem. So yeah, he's maybe not really. So maybe I'm reaching a bit here because he's only played three matches since November. But he has been very impressive when he played. And talk about kind of players having to hold things together as a kind of dumpster fire rages around them. So like Sweeney's Sweeney's get it's kind of progressed as the season's gone on, but he's not always been his centre half partner. They've had Jordan McGee. They've had. Liam Fontaine, they, their fullbacks are terrible, their goalkeepers are terrible. There, there's not a whole lot there. And uh, defensive midfield, they do get a bit of protection, Dundee, but otherwise, Ashcroft is kind of holding that defence together. He is the leader of the defence, he's also their, their best 
He's their best defender. He's probably their best, I mean, maybe Fontaine, but probably maybe in their best footballer as well. He's somebody that can make things happen in the opposition penalty box. He's he's had a, a impressive season for me in the top flight, considering I really didn't think he was a top flight defender. But he, he scores very highly in a number of the advanced stats, and he, he's really stood out for them. Um, I didn't realise that he was back out injured again, so maybe that was maybe I've jumped the gun a little bit. But sod it, I'll stick I'll stick with it. Ashcroft at number two for me. I, I, I still think he, he can you can certainly make the argument that in terms of importance to Dundee, he is he is he is important. Uh, they have won one in the league. They won two games. Two games without him and uh, three or four with him, I think. Uh, but yeah, again, they're a shit team, so um, and it's always going to be difficult for a centre back. But he's by far their by far. I think Sweeney's still a decent uh, decent player, but he's he is their uh, important defender. Okay, who's your number eleven? Number eleven is Jack Fitzwater. I thought about him, but didn't stick him on in the end. Ooh. He was he was probably. How many St Johnston centre backs have you got? One. Okay. Uh, so Fitzwater, I think he has been one off. He, he falls into so you take right take Reagan Charles Cook out the the equation because he's always winning the most improved player of the season. Uh, Fitzwater would be in the running behind him. I think he was, but I, I think I remember. Sorry, I remember us watching clips of him when we did the scouting podcast when Livingston signed him, and it didn't look a good signing. And no. that kind of kind uh, of fruit last season. I thought he really struggled. Played it played it right back a few times, and he just didn't look like comfortable in Scottish football. But having that season under his belt, he's been a lot better. A lot better this season. He doesn't give away too many fouls, which is pretty good considering uh, plays for Livingston and they're they expected to be expected to be aggressive. Um, uh, he wins a lot of uh, defensive duels again, which is important for uh, important for a centre back in in Scotland. I think he has he's developed uh, a consistency. He's uh, a bit a bit better at the rough and tumble. Still not a great. Aerial dual uh, success rate's not the best in the air, but he's certainly been he's come on leaps and bounds, and I think he'd be an important player to Livingston. I think it would be remiss of me not to recognise that improvement over the season. One thing that scared me off about Fitzwater in terms of putting him in my top twelve. So yeah, like I said, even maybe would have been like thirteen on my list, um, thirteen, fourteen, something like that. Is the fact that for all these players. And, and so in the list we made the, the stats it didn't show recoveries and losses so I went in and, and I researched every individual player what they had because I do think it's a key metric to, to judge set of halves that recoveries meaning winning the ball back losses meaning giving the ball away I think your centre backs you want a, a large variance between the two um, like there's a uh, number one in terms of ratio, uh, weirdly enough, is, is Darren McGregor, uh, who wins the ball back at an astounding rate and very little, very rarely gives it away. He's obviously not a great footballer, Darren McGregor, at this stage of his career, but um, he, he just keeps it simple and makes sure not to give the ball back to the opposition. Jack Fitzwater, there's not, he's not um, one of these defenders. So Bevis McGabby was a negative for that. He gives the ball away more than he wins it back. That's bad. That's bad for a centre half. Uh, Fitzwater is not that but he's also there's not much difference between the two stats and that kind of scared me off because like I say I think that's a, a kind of centre back's job win the ball back don't give it away yeah that, that that's fair but just just on that 
Darren McGregor. If you if you were just to look at stats, Darren McGregor may be number one. Unfortunately, there's no stat that says can he move anymore. Percentage of moving ability, like there's nothing like that. Sprinting, is, sprinting <laughs> speeds. Uh, sorry, I've got, I've got a real uh, bad uh, uh, cough at the moment. But um, uh, just look at, looking at our long list, and when you kind of scroll it to our, uh, make it so it goes from best to worst. McGregor's always been like most of the important defensive stats. He is in the top five. It's, it's incredible. Again, uh, you have to um, caveat with the fact that he's there's not a lot of uh, he's not played a lot of minutes. But fucking hell, he's just everywhere. Right, my number 11 is St Mirren's Conor McCarthy. Did Oh, did he make your list? He didn't make mine. Right, yeah. I go with number 11. Uh, best, the single best centre-half in the league this season at winning the ball back. 17.43 times a game. A massive number. Like, John Suter, for instance, is only at like 12. So this is a guy who gets the ball back a lot for his side. The number one thing you want for a centre-back, stop the opposition getting it get winning back for your team he does that he does it in every single game he's also great in the air he's not he's not even that bad a, a kind of footballer as well he's, he's decent at running with it he's he's good at kind of winning his attacking duels his, his passer isn't bad and yeah there's just a lot to like about about Conor McCarthy he's it's maybe a bit of a surprise maybe even to some St Vern fans because they've been that terrible recently but I'm trying to not be too swayed by recency bias I think he's a, a decent defender he's out of contract at the end of the season I think St Mirren fans are expecting he'll move on to, to somewhere I would do respect to St Mirren uh, <laughs> I would do respect to St Mirren fans bigger and brighter although is Aberdeen bigger and brighter than St Mirren I suppose they are the, even at the moment they're one place higher on the league table um, it's, uh, yeah obviously Aberdeen are a bigger club but yeah he will He'll find himself at a bigger team next season. He's a uh, he's in terms of just a, a, another player who's a like I say a pure stopper, but somebody who can play a bit as well. So I really like him. Uh, I think he's a cracking player, and yeah, he'll get. I think he'll get a good move. He'll get a good move this summer. I think he's been really uh, largely been really consistent, been a, a smart pickup from St Mirren, and him and Shaughnessy have been a really good partnership. I, I wasn't putting two St Mirren players in my in my top twelve. Ah, oh, so you've got Connor, you've got Joe Shaughnessy. Yes, I've, I've definitely got Joe Shaughnessy. Um, I, don't, I don't actually have Joe Shaughnessy. He uh, he just missed out. Whereas, yeah, so I went for uh, Shaughnessy. He, I'm, I'm just trying to think. I think Shaughnessy's next up on my list. Yeah, so I may as well just go on to him as he's uh, my number ten. That Shaughnessy, I thought he was excellent, especially the, the start of the season. He was really, really good, really consistent, and he just he looked like the player who. Uh, was in the final se- season or so at St Johnston, where uh, just th- th- that that captain, that talisman, uh, reads r- reads the game well, wins wins um, wins his headers, doesn't give fouls away. Again, I think he was um, only uh, so. I think he was set out of, out of the, uh, the defenders I selected. Uh, he gave the second fewest fouls away per ninety minutes. Wins over sixty percent of his uh, aerial duels. Again, I think a couple of things that are uh, really important, uh, especially in Scottish football. You needed a centre back who can win headers. He can do that. The reason I went for him, I think, over this over the season again, everyone at St Mirren has dropped off uh, recently. But I think Shaughnessy was St Mirren's uh, one-off, if not the best 
defender for a large part of the season. Conor McCarthy, I don't think he was, I've not like Shaughnessy was helped that Conor McCarthy got injured. Uh, he had to get, I think, got ankle injury. And then when he got fit again, I think Goodwin uh, was just before he went to, just before he went to Aberdeen or when Robinson came up, they fancied done a bit more. And then recently he's played, uh, he's, he's started to play a bit more, uh, McCarthy started to play a bit more. Uh, he's played one, two, three, four, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. So he's played six of the last seven league games. So they never lost all one, the, 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 all of them. And the one he did uh, miss was one no win over Dundee. So I have, I have opted for Shaughnessy over McCarthy. But both of them I really like. Fair enough, fair enough. My number 10 is St. Johnson's Liam Gordon. Oh, yeah, he said it. So, before you def- before you say why, I considered him from a long list. Jamie again, I re- someone I really like is Jamie McCart, but he, similar to Sean Rooney, had one of the biggest drop has had one of the biggest drop offs this season. I think he's been a bit, bit better recently, but at the start of the season, he was he was so poor. It just like he's he just confidence just seemed to have absolutely gone. Gordon. I, he's a good st- he's a good stopper a good setup uh, Scottish Premiership stopper I still think the players who have got on uh, largely on, on the list have either had an excellent season or have got more of a back catalogue in the Premiership of uh, consistent better performances that's fair I, I do think that God, I mean, it's not it's not uh, much to there's not uh, much in, in terms of uh, kind of comparing but so John, uh, sorry, it's not it's not a high. Sorry, I got a phone call there, so it threw me off. It's not a high bar to clear, but he has been St. John's best set of half this season, and he is a very it's good. Like, again, that's like, like kind of saying like, oh, that that's a really good way to die. <laughs> yeah, correct. G- uh, but he has he does he does rank very high for for in terms of like some of the kind of pure defensive stats, defensive duels, uh, percentage of defensive duels. One, he's number four. Successful defensive actions per 90 minutes. He's number four. He's in the top 12 for AO. Dual percentage, slide tackles. He's uh, just a, aye, a pure stopper, but also as well, something that don't, doesn't show up in the stats. He's the organiser of, of that defence. He's the shouter. He's the, he's the captain. He, and he does play like a captain. He's somebody who's always talking, always on his teammates, always organising. And it's something that we could, shouldn't really forget in the kind of defender. And the fact that he's, you know, the fact that he's kind of got that that aspect to his game despite only really starting regularly in the last couple of seasons I think it's very impressive for somebody to have that, that confidence and that understanding of, of the game without having too much experience because uh, he's still a fairly kind of young guy as well I, I was I, did, I wanted to put one of the St Johnson guys on and I did consider McCart as well uh, I just didn't I, I, I just kind of used his season as, against him a little bit more because he's because of the two, he's certainly been worse than God in this campaign. Yeah, McCart is a more rounded centre back, and I think he's got a higher ceiling than than Gordon. I think Gordon will carve out a career in the Premiership as a solid, reliable Premiership centre back who uh, will head the ball, he'll block, he'll clear, uh, whether it's in a three or a four. 
I think he'd be captain at St Johnson for a very long time. I think both are good players, just the big drop off. So Lars Dendonker had been buried alive. Jamie McCart was getting hit over by uh, getting hit by a bus and trampled over, and uh, Liam Gordon was dying in your sleep. <laughs> Okay, here's your number nine. Number nine is... Scroll up, thank you. Handsome Charlie Mulgrew. Uh, I have him higher. I considered putting him... I uh, considered putting him higher. Uh, I probably might might come back to regret that, but... the He was someone... Similar to Joe Shaughnessy when he first when he first arrived as uh, the start of the season when he first, he arrived in the summer didn't he? He was a summer signing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was I. Yeah, that from the first few months or the first six months he was certainly up there with one of the what one of the best signings made in the Scottish Premiership. Certainly one of the most important signings. See how important he is with set pieces. He's still got that uh, dead ball, um, dead ball accuracy. The, the, the issue with Mulgrew is that you'd like him to be in the box as well as uh, taking the set piece. I think he's got a really good presence in in the box. He reads the game well. Um, he is very, very comfortable in the ball. Issue is pace. Yeah, he's, he's got to the age where you've seen it at the weekend where Barry Mackay slipped the ball in behind Liam Boyce isn't fast but Liam and he must have gave Boyce a few yards head start Boyce got in ahead of him just it's it's that thing with like Crystal Berra was the same the two two different centre backs but they may be quick but it's it's that quickness on the turn it's being able mm-hmm. to turn and then accelerate I don't think he quite, he quite has that but as a, a as a defender in the Especially in the back, in the middle of the back three, he is perfect because he reads the game so well. He can carry the ball. Uh, he can carry the ball well. He will take care of the ball. He trusts him with the the, the ball at his feet. And again, he, he he's someone who I think no one fills fewer than him. Uh, but he has one of the highest interceptions uh, interception rates in in the Scottish Premiership for a centre back, which says everything you need to know about uh, Charlie McGrew and his his intelligence as, as a centre back. But he's always had that experience through Celtic and Aberdeen, where he can he can compete physically. I've just yeah, talked I... myself up and it's like moving up, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple of spots higher. Man number nine. <laughs> I'm already regretting this. Definitely get this because I know I know now he's not on your list, and I think do you know how often on these podcasts I can maybe go a little bit too far with some lifetime achievement awards. Oh, you're not you're not going to do Andrew Constant, are you? No, no, no. <laughs> Let me laugh. No, uh, my number nine. Uh, my number nine is Hibernian's Paul Hanlon. <laughs> what? <laughs> The thing is, lifetime achievement. So he has, I think, so when did Hibs come back into the Premiership? 20, so Hearts were in, so Hearts came back up uh, 2015, yeah, Rangers came, came back, back 26, 2017. 2017, yeah. 17, 18, 18, 19, 19, so yeah, I reckon he's had, uh, in terms of a Premiership centre-back, a reliable Premiership centre-back, he's had three, four seasons where he thought he is definitely a Premiership centre-back. This season, he's look went back to looking like Paul Hanlon, the um, pre relegation with Hibs, where you think he's a good player, but he can get bullied 
And I didn't think that was the case the last three or four seasons, but it has been the case this season. He's just looked, he is, he, he's looked more vulnerable. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm A mental this. decision. <laughs> I'm regretting this. Uh, right. Let me, let me alter things on the fly. Right, let, let's take that away. <laughs> you should have to fucking love with it. <laughs> no, oh no. <laughs> You've talked me out of it. Uh, so yeah, everybody's getting bumped up. Liam Gordon's now at number nine. Conor McCarthy's now at number 10. Lee Ashcroft is now at number 11. I think he's number 13. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let me talk, actually, let me talk about somebody else then. Let me, let me bypass uh, Fitzwater. Can you explain your reasoning for even thinking about Hamlin? I still think he's a... I think he's... You're right, though. You, you, the point you brought up about him getting bullied is something that I hadn't really kind of thought about. And it, you're right; I've seen it quite happen quite a few times this season. He's also ah, he's had some really bad games now that I think about. It. And also, I'm trying to think of some Hibs games where he played really well. I thought he, I thought he had some some really good games. I, I thought he was excellent in the. When did he come back? He came back recently, and I thought he was brilliant in his first match back. Was that the United game or was it County? It was one of the games at Easter Road recently. I thought he had a really good game. I think it was maybe the United game. I thought he was one of the, maybe the best player in the park. Or certainly one of them. Uh, I thought he was very good, very good in the League Cup final as well. Um I didn't I didn't really agree that he was at fault for, for the goals. Um he has had his moments. Um so I, I maybe just nine I actually fuck it, I'm still gonna have him in the list. I still, I still think he deserves it. I still think if you're if you're going to compare them to guys like Ashcroft, McCarthy, Gordon, if Hearts were to sign, say Hearts were to sign somebody this summer, which I often go back to, I would probably prefer maybe a couple of them because they're younger. But if you're saying for next season, who would I still want? I'd probably still want Paul Hanlon over them. No um, but I will, I'll bump him down, <laughs> I'll bump him down the list. Um, I'll have Andy Considine. <laughs> He came, so he came back. Okay, he how, came, about, how about if I swapped about with Ryan Edwards? How about that? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, right, yes, okay. I, right, fine. So, okay, I've changed it about. Edwards is now my number 12, Ashcroft's 11, McCarthy 10, Gordon 9. So, Edwards, Edwards, uh, very much another guy who's a stopper, but a stopper, but also really a handful in the opposition penalty box. Mm. Somebody who is always kind of, uh, he's in the top 10 for centre backs for shots or for attempts on goal per game. He's always a, a goal threat. Very good in the air, very no-nonsense. Somebody puts his body on the line time and again, throws himself in front of balls with no hesitation. And yeah, just a kind of very consistent and popular performer for a United defence. It's been very good this season. Yeah, uh, I think he's a really good defender. Hopeless with the ball, but a, a good defender. Yeah, uh, got just, just go, go, Going back to Hammond. <laughs> he missed... He missed nine league games in a row. Hibs kept six clean uh, six clean sheets. He came back. Um, he came off the bench against Aberdeen when Hibs lost three one, and then they uh, conceded uh, against Dundee United. Conceded against Hearts. Conceded against Hearts in the cup, and then uh, he, he got he got a clean sheet at the weekend against Middle. Okay, well okay, you're right. Fine, it's fine. You're right. You're right. I'm wrong. Paul Hartland is it's not on my list. Right, who's your number eight? This is this is where my list this is where my list takes the the biggest jump ever. Like it's on my list. I've got Liam God at number nine and my number eight. I mean the players in my opinion just uneven in the same aren't in the same level at all. Like it's wild how much my list now jumps for this point. And from like eight up until like four or maybe even three, you could maybe pretty much swap them all about and I wouldn't argue too much. Yeah, I'm 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 in the same boat. Uh, same boat with this, 
but this player, I think in 12 months' time when we do this, I'd fancy, <laughs> depending, on what, depending on what they do in the transfer window, I'd fancy that he's gone up a fair few spots. But uh, my number eight is Celtic's Carl Starfelt. I've got my number six. I, I think Celtic fans are coming round to him. Uh, Celtic fans really, Celtic fans really like him now and defend him quite a lot yeah. because of the, I think because of the stick he gets and he does, he does because of the kind of poor start he had, he does really tend to get, um, kind of picked on a bit more by pundits. I think than is probably fair, and that's why Celtic fans really defend him a lot. But you've got my number eight. I've got my number six because I still don't think he's that great. No, no, I, I, I agree. He, he's another one who doesn't have a, a great. Uh, He's not the grace in there. He gives away out of the out of the players on my list. Uh, he gives away the most fouls per ninety minutes. Uh, which the, I even before even looking at that, if I was to be asked who gives away the most fouls, um, the the top two would be the top two because Starfield does at times look uncomfortable, look uh, rash. I thought he was excellent. It was superb at the winning uh, in the win against Ibrox uh, against Rangers at Ibrox, and so it shows you that he is there's a really good defender uh, defender again he's a Swedish international, however, he's taken a bit of time to adapt to Scottish football, which is which is fair enough uh, for a centre back coming into Scottish football who's not used to uh, the the nature of the game. There's going to be a settling in period, and Starfield, perhaps with Celtic, lasted longer than uh, even imagine fans would hope. But if you, when you look at Celtic games, he always gives, he always strikes me as someone who it just looks like he's on the verge of giving the opposition a chance. We can compare yeah. him to Cameron Carter Vickers. It's, it's it's night and day. Like Carter Vickers is just this, um, just this m- machine that I think. Uh, Tony uh, compared them to um, compared them to a, a Rolls Royce. I'm not sure what what you'd what you'd compare uh, Starfelt to uh, a Vauxhall course. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know my cars. Uh, but no, it'd be a good car. It'd be a good car. But it's got a faulty yeah, engine. Keeps breaking down. Yeah. Okay. Uh, someone uh, someone who who knows their cars, our car buff, will be able to um, answer that better than me. But. There's the, the the most encouraging thing for Celtic is that there's 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 been improvement from the the first game to to now. Remind seeing him against uh, Hearts first game of the season, and he was all over the place. There's still that kind of scattiness at times to his game, yeah. but he is good on the ball, uh, which oh, he's, uh, he's, ex- he's an excellent passer on the ball. Yeah, he's, he's ex- and sometimes I, th- I think one of the things he's improved on is. Um, the, the quickness in his passing because I sometimes thought at the start of the season he maybe held on to the ball he, he anticipated he, ha- he didn't anticipate the danger he thought he had more time than he uh, he's used to that kind of pressure that he get in, uh, can, can get in Scottish football I think he's he, he, he's got that I still think similar to to Hamlin if you get a physical striker up against him say if Morelos was up against him then I think he'd be have a really really uh, tough time because when he does when he does try and get tight to defender, he, he looks, he looks like he is struggling. But th- again, that's something that's that's improved. So he is he, he's eighth on the list and eighth on my list because of his start to the season. Whereas, uh, like I said, I'm sure I, mean, I wouldn't argue with bumping him up two or three po- uh, spots, and I reckon he'll be up three, four, five spots 
if he continues this improvement into next season? My number eight could easily be my number one. Oh. But there's still a flaw to a major flaw to his game, which has got him all the way down at number eight for me, and that's Ryan Purchase. I can't, I, I can't, I'm, I can't in any kind of good conscience. As much as I love Porteous, and like I say, I think he's got the ability. Like people will say, Brian Porteous is like a diddy or a, a cart horse or that. All due respect, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yes, Brian Porteous is an excellent, excellent defender. Uh, not only a great defender, but a good footballer as well for a centre back. Somebody who's so key to Hibbs in terms of his passing the ball out for the back, his ability to dribble the ball out for the back is so key for that team. He is one of the most important players for any side in the Scottish Premiership this campaign. Porteous is a great player. However, he's currently he's currently about to serve the well, he's about to serve the, the fourth of a four-game suspension that he had for being sent off for the third time this season. He's got to rein it in a bit. He, he, he looked like he had last season and Last season, he had to, what he had to get over was the kind of errors that he makes in his game. He seems to have really cut those out. I don't think he's really made any kind of major errors this year that I can think of. But it, you're no use if you can't play. And he's now going to miss, uh, what, seven games this campaign in total just through suspensions? Because... He's got to he's got to channel that aggression that he has in his game in a, in a better place. Like the re, the rebuild tackle at the start of the season, it was it was debated all day long. But there's no need to go in at that speed like he did. You're always giving the referee a decision to make. His red card, his retrospective ban for you know punching Ramirez in the balls for no reason at the halfway line, like pointless. His his send it off for the McCrory one, like. He goes in, he hits McCrory at like fucking, like hip height. Like, he just, he, need, he just needs to rein this in a little bit because if he can, he could still have that committed style and he could have, with everything else in his game, he would, in my opinion, he could easily be the best centre-half in this league. But he's got to sort out, and I also don't want to have him, I also don't want to say that he's definitely over those kind of, those kind of gaffes that he made every, you know, you know, five or six games or whatever, because it's only a small sample size. But if he if he has moved on for that, then this is really the last thing he's got to iron out for his game. And then you will start to see Ryan Porteous at his true potential. And that is a player who, as I said, when I first kind of had a good look at him as he was coming through at Hibs, it's a guy who could easily rack up caps for Scotland. I I think you've you, you've hit the nail on the head off uh, with, with with all of that. I'm just shocked that out of the two of us, you've got. Porteous lore. <laughs> I've got I've got I've got him up at number six, uh, just because I think still think the good out uh, far outweighs weighs out, outweighs the bad. And you look at you look at Morelos, and we loved Morelos. Everyone loved well, except Celtic fans and um, sad acts from other clubs who, who can't get on board with how much of a box office player he is. But you love Morelos because he played on that edge. However, you don't want your centre back to be box office. You want your striker. No. You're, you're fine with your striker being box office, and if he gets sent off, then it's, uh, it's it's less of an issue. Still an issue, but less of an issue if it's your if your centre back. And that's the case with Porteous. But you still see from season to season that there has been improvement. He is getting better in there. Nearly seventy percent of uh, he wins nearly seventy percent of these aerial duels. Still, just gives away far too many fouls. 
reads the game really well. That's that's something that people think, look at Poch. I think he just he just a hammer throw, and he's he's given that perception because he's stupid fouls and yeah. uh, the way he goes into challenges, which he he, need, he needs to cut out because uh, he, he he sometimes I still think he wants to portray himself as this as this, as this hard man, and you just think just concentrate on your game, be aggressive, but do the stuff that you're good at, which is reading the game. He is. I would, he's one of the best. Maybe doesn't show on the the, the the advanced stats in terms of accuracy and the, the, the passes in the final third. But he is one of the best players in uh, in, in Scotland, uh, centre backs with the ball at his feet. That he can uh, a lot a lot of defenders will happily their um, kind of passing success rate will look good because they'll go side to side. He is someone that will try and force it through. Uh, midfield into the into the striker's uh, feet probably not helped by Christian Dodge not uh, not being there but when I say force it he actually does it on a does it accurately on a consistent basis so yeah uh, it does feel like at times uh, me you and Tony are fighting a losing battle against the uh, the, the others in um, in the terrace who who, um, who who couldn't see a player to save themselves but no yeah. They they, they just stick stick to the pattern, boys. Leave uh, leave the analysis to the experts. Your words, not mine. I agree. <laughs> I, hope, I hope somebody bites to that. Uh, right, uh, man number seven. I've got Charlie Mulgrew. You've already talked about him, but I think Mulgrew is uh, not only a, a very good, not only a very good defender, a centre half. Uh, remember, it was the weirdest thing when it suddenly found out that Mulgrew was a very good centre-half having been a very poor defensive left-back, but partly, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, he must just not suit being on the, on a flank. But in the middle, he's great. But that also as well, like as you kind of talked about earlier, his ability as a footballer is it's probably unmatched by any other centre-half in the Scottish top flight. I, I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's uh, not much, really much more to say about him because we've already talked about him. But he is uh, he is my number seven. Is he the most handsome on the list? Ooh, let's just have a quick. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And he's, he's he's funny as well. He, he's funny. He's he's uh, delivered a couple of good um, interviews. Right. The, him and, uh, him, I'd say between him and Craig Halkett for most handsome. If you want to laugh, go on to Craig Halkett's transfer market page and see the picture there. And you're just thinking, "Fuck me, that is a completely different man." That is that's 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 Craig Halkett in his terrible heart stage. <laughs> Who the hell's going on with his hair? No idea. But yeah, and I would implore anyone to anyone to have a wee look at Craig Halkett on transfer market and then look at Craig Halkett now. <laughs> Anyway, my number seven is... Oh, sorry, this, I skipped ahead. I forgot what we were... Uh, sorry, uh, you're number seven. My number seven is uh, this. I found him... I found this player hard to place and could easily put him up to maybe three, um, but it's Leon Balogun. I've got him at number five. Okay, that, that, that's, that doesn't make me feel so bad. I still, I still don't... I'm still not completely sold on Balogun and what made me go for him as number seven is the fact that we probably should have said this at the start that uh, whoever's not listened to our fullback list, that Stephen Kingsley and Leon ba- um, and uh, oh, yeah, Calvin Bassey. Stephen, aye, Stephen Kingsley and Calvin Bassey are not on this list. They, they yeah. were included in the fullbacks podcast. They were included in the fullback list. Uh, and the, but it's the fact that more and more Rangers are playing Bassey and he's kind of playing ahead of Balogun. Yeah. At left, left centre back. I just wonder if there's there's that trust there. 
at Rangers. I think he's I think he's a good defender. I think he's uh, a cap- more than capable, reliable, and second to, uh, second for percentage of aerial duels won at all the centre halves. First for uh, position adjusted slide tackles. Uh, no, I I had it's it's aerial duel success rate. Liam Balligan. I said defensive duels. Oh, sorry. I was about to say he's, he's not very good. In, uh, he's, he's, no, he's, he's not very good in there. Not not very good in there. Yeah. So there is aspects of his game are really good. What I would say is why he's probably further. He's he's down the list compared to other um, players is his importance to the team and the fact that I think he's just a a, a good squad player for Rangers. Yeah, I think he. I think he really suits Rangers because of his abilities with the football. He's he's good at running with the ball. He's a good passer of the ball. He doesn't really, for somebody who, who does like to stride forward and, and takes more chances than most centre halves, he doesn't actually give the ball away an awful lot as well, which is, is very good. That that all kind of those three abilities married together, and I think he's he's excellent for Rangers because of all that. They certainly improved massively when he replaced. Uh, Nikola Katic even though Katic is a, a very good defender in his own right but he's limited as a footballer and Rangers need somebody who's not that but at the same time I do think he, he fits Rangers better than he probably would other teams like I think of like I think if Liam Balligan went to another Scottish top flight club he'd be very good but I don't think he would I don't think it's one of those ones where you'd go and you'd like like sometimes you get somebody who leaves Celtic or Rangers and they're not actually that perceived as being that good and then they go to another club and you're like oh, actually they're great they're just not at Celtic or Rangers standards I don't think he would necessarily do that with Balogun I think if Balogun went to another team he wouldn't like he wouldn't like necessarily be the most outstanding player in their side if that makes sense because I do think he has some flaws to the defensive aspect of his game but Rangers is a great fit and that's kind of one of the reasons why I had him um, a bit lower and also thinking as well like because like, there's a couple of Hearts players that uh, are going to be appear on our list quite soon. And I remember when the, the talk of Suter going to Rangers in January, and I was like, well, if Rangers want Suter, then give us Balligan. And I kind of thought that would be something to be open to. So, And I thought Hearts would be getting the lesser player in that deal. And that's what I just kind of thought at the time. And Balligan's kind of played really well since then, so I've, I've, I've softened on that kind of stance a little bit, but it still maybe tells me a lot that uh, of those players I would rather have. Balligan as a player I'd, I'd have the least. But I, I do have him higher on my list. He's number five. My six, uh, number six is Porteous. Right. So my number six is Carl Stahlfelt. We've already discussed him. Who's your number five? So this is this is where the old uh, maroon tinted specs come on. Mine, their uh, number five is Craig Halkett. Well, I've got my number four. So <laughs> although I don't have Halander, so that's why. So yeah, Halkett. He's just been. He's. Going back to what we said earlier about uh, Fitzwater uh, below Reagan Charles Cooks, arguably being one of the most improved, probably, I would argue that he's been the second most improved player in, uh, in uh, Scottish, um, well, Scottish Premiership, just because of his last time in the Premiership with, with, with Hearts. I think the formation switch. Uh, I, I, would, for- I would say Tory Ralston. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> number three there. Yeah. Um, I think the formation change last season in the Championship really. Helped Halkett because it went. We went back to a back three, and he was in the centre back three where he played for Livingston. It was just. It almost. He just looked much more comfortable eh, as a defender. He's went away from what I can gather over the summer. 
He's worked really hard at his um, basically his, his fitness, his, his build, kind of nutrition. He's just looked after himself, and you can see that he's came back. I mentioned uh, his his picture on transfer market, but he just came back leaner. He's came back stronger. He just looks he looks at the top of his game, and now when Hearts move from when we move from a back three to a back four, he doesn't look he doesn't look comfortable in 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 a back four. Superb in there. I think second yeah. behind uh, Danny McGregor, in yeah. league, but he's obviously played far, he's played way more minutes. Superb uh, in there. He's also third behind McCarthy and McGregor in terms of recoveries as well. So winning the ball back for his team. Yeah, he's he, he reads the game well. He's really good at interception. One thing he's he's really um, came on to game is he's, he's passing. He's yeah. he's very comfortable with the ball. Whether that's stepping out and finding the passes a few times this season, especially in the last few months, where. When Suter's not there, he has been willing to move forward with the ball and play it short. Long range passing is pretty decent as well, uh, which is um, which is another kind of uh, string to his bow. So he just came on leaps and bounds. And when I talk about someone who you talk about recoveries, and the reason he can recover the ball so well is because he uses his body so well. He's just an apps. He's just he's absolutely mass. Just just like just when I say massive, just such a unit, so strong. Reminds yeah. me again, Darren McGregor. It would just been a nightmare for a striker to play against him because even if you're 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 quicker than him, it's hard to get around him. Uh, that's that's the same with Halkett. There's only one striker this season who I've seen out out muscle or bully uh, Halkett, and that's Alfredo Morelos. Yeah, who does it to does it to everyone? Yes, so. yeah, <laughs> forwards of a much higher level. As I said, I have to a much higher level than Halkett, with all due respect. Yeah, so uh, he's my number four. So my number five was Balligan. Uh, we've talked about him. My number four is Halkett. Who's your number four? Halander. Right now, now you can talk about the guy who's not on my list. Yes, <laughs> I just think he's a, he's just a very good centre back. It was it was it was a balancing act because, like you said, if you if you include him in the if you include him in the list, you need to have him high because he is when you if this is a list of the best centre backs in the Premiership, then when he's fit, Halander is one of the best centre backs in the Premiership. The but kind of on the on the flip side is that he is far from reliable because in the sense that you don't get a lot out of him. Uh, game time, especially this season, but he's a player who I think has a bit of everything to, bit of everything to his game, especially one on one defending, wins balls and wins balls in the air. Uh, he can, he looks, he looks kind of like he, he times like doesn't move that well, quite bean polish, but I think it's uh it it doesn't really show in his game. Um, I just I, I just think he's a well-rounded defender who, when fit, is one of the best best in Scotland, and I, I just felt I had to had to include him. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. He's yeah, he's he's good in the air. He's good in the opposition box. He's he's not a tremendous passer of the ball, but he's better. Uh, he's like we talked about Cattage earlier. He's certainly better than that. He's um, he's reliable on that side, and he can you know dribble it to at least dribble it to the halfway line and make sure it finds a Rangers teammate. And he very rarely gives it away. He's really, really careful with with the football and and doesn't 
doesn't give it easily to the opposition, which uh, is something that stands out for him as well. Like, I, I, had he played a bit more this campaign, I, I, and had, I, certainly had he not struggled when he came back for injury, I would have I would have definitely had him on the list. Like I say, got in my head. He's definitely up there. He's maybe even number three for me, but in, in terms of just trying to make things interesting, I left him off. Right, number... Right, so we're both in our top three now. So my number four is Halkett. Let's see if we've got them in order. My number three... It's John Suter. Same. Right. So, John Suter, he's got better... Like, one thing about Suter, and this is something that you can say for a lot of... So we said Stephen Will's terrible in the air. Um, there's Rocky Bishuri's terrible in the air. Um, but these are young centre-halves. And the one thing I will say when you're judging a young centre-half in terms of their ability is that's the thing I've kind of noticed that centre-halves get a lot better at as, as they get older and get more experience. Because it's not just about height, it's not just about kind of jumping ability, it's about knowing when to, it's about knowing how to read the ball, it's about knowing when to time those jumps, but it's also knowing how to physically impose yourself on your opponent so that you get the best advantage to win those headers. John Suter, when he first burst through at Dundee United, was rubbish in there as a centre-half. He was quite tall, but he didn't had no idea what he was doing. Now he's one of the best in the league at it, he's a number 11 overall for centre-halves, he's a good centre-half kind of stopper in his own right as well. He's number 10 for defensive duels. But really where John Suter stands out is his attacking abilities. So let me let me go through these. Shots per game, dribbles per game, dribbling percentage, percentage of attacking duels won, progressive runs per 90, passes to the final third per percentage accuracy, and progressive passes per 90. He's in the top five for all of those. I mean, that's, that's no surprise to me. Yeah. I've watched... A very good, like you say, a Rolls Royce of a, of a footballer from the back. Somebody who you always feel good about having the ball at his feet. Always think he's going to make something happen. Great range of passing, great ability to switch play. Uh, can, can get forward himself as well. Like somebody who easily could have made a career for himself as a centre midfielder. Mm. Uh, getting forward and attacking the box. He's just outstanding on that side of his game. And Hearts fans this season... I mean, I get, I get it to the extent because I do think that Halkett and Kingsley have had better campaigns, but I still think that Suter is the best defender of the lot. So I seen when the PFA, uh, when the team of the year came out, Suter was in it. Would have had Kingsley, yeah. I think he's because he's been more consistent and um, more not more consistent. Scored seven goals. He's, yeah, he's he's been more of a threat. Scored goals. Played played consistently. <laughs> I think, the vote, I think the voting would have taken place before yeah. the two derbies as well. Yeah, yeah. So. And, but with Suter, is that, I think a lot of people forget, you obviously signed the deal with the Rangers. The first uh, first half of the season or so, he was tremendous. Yeah. Absolutely tremendous. He got back into the Scotland squad, got the move to got the move to Rangers. Remember was speaking, great, great in that Denmark game as well. Oh, yeah. I remember speaking to him after the Celtic game, first game of the season, came back and he's, he's obviously had his injury issues uh, speaking to him and just asking like what kind of goes through your mind what did you do to when the most recent long term injury and it was basically the the, the, the physio sports scientist at, at Hearts were like you can't do anything lower body so we'll, we'll we'll focus on what we can improve and it was like physically so he went to the gym and you can see it standing next to him he is He's gone from that kind of tall, gangly centre back was a Dundee United to uh, to someone who's well built, 
physically. Uh, you can see it in his, he's standing next to his arms, his shoulders, and he even said like he doesn't get bullied anymore. He feels a difference. He feels like he's came back. He came back from his injury without uh, having obviously not played for a while, a better defender because he has that uh, the physical side to the game. Rangers are getting a very, 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 very good centre back who can now do basically do it all. Um, his switch of play is just is is, is great. I think it's, it's more consistent now. Uh, sometimes used to be a wee bit erratic, more consistent now. Uh, yeah, just a, a superb, superb centre back who can play in a three, he can play in a two. Right, number two, I have got Rangers Connor Golson. Ooh, I went for Cameron Carter Vickers. Oh, you, you're the one, you're the one doing the lifetime achievement awards this year. Yes. <laughs> fair, fair. Ah, yeah. It I was think... this, this was literally just a flip of a coin. I'm... Yeah, and I, I, I found it hard myself because Golson. I'm sure we both had Golson as number one last season. Uh, he. Oh wait, did I have? Yeah. Or did I? No, I still had. I still had Chris Ayer as number one. For a player I forgot about. Yeah, I remember getting a lot of stick for that. I'm sure I had Ayer. Yeah, who's he been doing this season? Because I don't watch the Premier League. Oh, no playing, idea. He's 27 appearances. I think he's missed time. I ah, missed about three months of injury. So yeah, he's playing regularly for Brentford. I think that probably shows you that. I was right. Chris Ayer is a very good player. <laughs> Conor Golson is yeah. He's he's somebody who's just been. I think he's taken a. He took. I've maybe bumped up at number two because I think he took a kind of a, a bit of a considerable dip at the start of the year. I think he, yep. he's recovered from that, uh, but he was he kind of stood out. There was a few players, him, him and Barisic, I think, were the ones mainly that really kind of stood out as the as the Rangers players. So you kind of thought has winning the title and and kind of gotten that that holy grail that the Rangers were after. Have they kind of? dropped their concentration a little bit and even Goldson himself came out and kind of admitted that the team as a whole had done that after the, the semi-final against Hibs uh, but he's, he's he's played a lot better since then and he's somebody who's a, a good defender he's uh, in the top six for he's very good in the air uh, he doesn't give away many fouls but he's somebody who's also can pass with the ball can run with the ball somebody who just kind of shows that kind of poise at the back that you just want from a, a defender. He just always looks composed, always looks control of things. But I just I just think that Cameron Carter-Vickers, I think it was very unlucky that Carter-Vickers was not nominated for the four nominees for Player of the Year. I think he's even, I would even say, of all the Celtic players, you could even argue he was most deserving of winning the award overall. I just think he's had a, a, an excellent debut campaign in Scottish football. I don't think I've seen him have a bad game so far. For somebody who's a little bit undersized for a centre-back in terms of his height, not his uh, built, because he's, you know, he's about as wide as he is tall. But in terms of his height, he's very good in the air. Uh, he's somebody himself who, who doesn't give away a lot of fouls. Somebody himself is good at passing with the ball, good at moving with the ball. They're, they're very kind of similar type of players, I would say. Carter Vickers and, and Goldson. Carter Vickers has just had the, the much better campaign so maybe, yeah, I'm maybe going against my principles a little bit to have him number one as opposed to, to Goldson because I usually do factor in what you've done before. I, I, I try not to be just what have you done for me lately. But I just think Carter Vickers has just been that much better this season that I went for him. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's completely fair. The only thing that really add to that, why I made the decision was that if it was over one season, I would have picked Cameron and Carter Vickers. Uh, but I just think with Goldson because of his uh, because of his 
he's past Evans. I still think uh, he's deserving of the number one one spot. I think it's still I think he's a really good, uh, really good defender that you don't want to. If a, def- if a defender turns and takes him on, I think he's he's really good in that. Really good uh, stepping out and uh, hitting those long cross field balls. Probably his biggest weakness is when he uh, steps out to and uh, he, he can get dragged into a almost like a defensive midfield position at times by a striker dropping off, uh, which can open up space in, in, in the Rangers' uh, defence. But other than that, he's really a, re- a really nice defender to watch. And uh, consistency, just, he's barely missed a game since joining joining Rangers, considering his health issues uh, prior is, yeah. uh, is, is, is quite incredible. Carter Vickers, uh, just a, an absolute machine. I go back to like what talk about uh, Halkett and um, Halkett and McGregor. Like you just, you just, you just thinking of I don't know, um, like Stevie May coming up against him. He's just, just he'll just go- gobble folk like that up, just so so easily. And you do have to wonder. I'm, I'm looking at the U.S. international men's team. Like why is why is, why is he not playing for the United States national team? Why is he not their their centre back? I mean, people who. Um, uh, MLS marks or US national team marks maybe would tell me that Shaq Moore from Tenerife or Miles Robinson from Atlanta United or Walker Zimmerman from Nashville SC are better players <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm I not having it <laughs> well, the last guy just, just deserves it for his name alone to be fair <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if I, there's a defender I don't even know if it might even be a, 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 a full pack Anthony Robinson Aaron Long George Bello James Sands all the stars. <laughs> All the stars. There we go. Reggie Cannon from Boa Vista. <laughs> These guys must be class. Carter Vickers' performance at Ibrox in the two-on-one has what got a- to be. It's got to be up there one of the best individual performances by a player in Scottish football this season. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Easily one of the. Uh, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but. That is that takes some uh, some beating. Uh, you see, if if I was able to have this list, it would be it would be a one uh, and then a wee um, equal sign for Carter Vickers and and, and Goldson. But yeah, I, I completely agree with the his, his nomination. It's like you got Tom Rogic in there and not Carter Vickers. Nah, nah that's spoiled. It, d- it does strike me as that no um, no sh- no Scottish Premiership striker has uh, put their um, put their voting card in. <laughs> Right, I think that'll do us. Uh, thank you to Simon Laird, thank you to Craig Telford, and thank you to Joel Skid. Yes, saved the best last. Thank you. Craig. Yes, yes, certainly did. And uh, yeah, if you'd like to hear more from us, please head over to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. There's loads going up this week. I'm also going to put up the top 12 set half backs for the lower leagues, which uh, Sean and Fraser actually recorded a few weeks ago, but uh, we ended up delaying this podcast a little bit longer, so it might be slightly dated, but it'll still be worth checking out if you want to hear who is the best at this position in leagues, Championship, League One, and League Two. So thank you very much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Podcast Network. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. 
Learn more at cbp.gov careers.